evening and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. Welcome to Football Bloody Hell. Uh, we're short-handed tonight. There's only three of us at the moment, although we're hoping to get a few more waifs and strays joining in the ring. So, uh, welcome to my guest. First of all, Ricky Height is here. Hi, Rick. Hello, mate. How you doing? Oh, wonderful. And uh, Thorpey's here. Hello, Thorpey. Good evening, everyone. And uh, if you're thinking about the same topics as me, it should be an interesting evening. It certainly should be. Well, I'm going to start... <laughs> With the dreaded term money, because something struck me uh, when you you see the, the the amount of money that is sloshing about in football, and you hear stories of a a manager whose side are two points off the top of their league, um, and he gets fired. All right, admittedly they lost six nil, but nonetheless. Um, Money's gone mad. It's, they, they, people are just, and then you read that Kylian Mbappe is going to join Real Madrid for forty-one million pound a year. I mean, it's just <laughs> bloody bizarre, isn't it? I mean, who the? I just don't. I can't get my head around it. I mean, you know, I don't blame these guys for taking the money if they if they get it. But it's it's the idiots that offer it in the first place are the ones that need to be having their bloody heads looked at. But I mean, I don't know. What do you think, boys? I mean, is it just me, or am I, you know, am I out of kilter with life? Well, we're very much going down the uh, American route, where um, the commodity, the with the the amount of money these clubs get in, in uh, advertising and through their TV, um, you know, uh, sponsorship as well. You know, these are the sums of money that these then, you know, the commodity, which is the player, and then they're through go through a company or an organisation, or even a corporation, you know, um, plus there's also the the the, the um, salaries that the agents get as well. Yeah. So it's very much going down that route um, where, you know, as, as in American football and uh, baseball, hugely in baseball as well. I mean, I think that's the richest player in the world, isn't it, in baseball? And um, they get some ridiculous amounts of money. And, uh, you know, it's in the entertainment game is what people are going to realise and at the top level, these stars are getting huge, huge amounts of money. Well, they are, but, you know, is it justified? And like I say, Lee Johnson, all right, we know him, he's a friend, but he's taken Sunderland to within two points of the lead of League One. Yeah. And he's, all right, they lost, seem... they lost 6-0, OK, which is not good. But, but look, teams have aberrations like that sometimes. Liverpool lost 7-2 to Aston Villa. United lost 6-1 yeah. to somebody. So, you know, I mean, what are, what are the people at Sunderland looking for? I mean, I should have thought they were in with a great shout of going up this year. Rick, what do you think? Oh, shit. They must think they're making the right decision because you wouldn't just chuck good money after, after bad. They must have must be able to uh, justify it to themselves in some way or another. Um, I think there's more to the... How, how does the um, Lee Johnson sacking relate to money, Adrian? Well, obviously, the, 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 um, the Sunderland board are desperate to get the money that, that they'll get by going up into the next division. So you get that money by sacking a bloke who's got you in the second place? Well, that's what I'm saying. They're mad. Yeah, it's, but then again, they must they must think they're making the right right decision. I think I don't know personally. I think there's more to uh, Lee losing his job than meets the eye. He has come out yeah. in the last week or so and made a few naive sort of comments, and I think that might have come round and bit him on the bum. Well, there's what do you mean that the COVID one in particular? Yeah, yeah, and that was taken out. That was taken out of context. He never said. 
that um, although evidence does seem to point that way, he, did, he didn't actually say that the vaccine was giving people uh, heart problems. He just questioned whether or not it was long COVID or possibly the vaccine. And, of course, people have cherry-picked the juicy bits out of that and used it as a headline. And uh, all of a sudden, he's questioning the validity of the, the vaccine. And you know that you don't upset the powers that be as far as that goes. But then that wasn't down to him. He never actually said what was reported that he did say. So I just don't know. It just seems it's the only thing that would sort of make sense with sacking it. Because if you're second place in the league and you're desperate to go up, you wouldn't sack the manager that got you there, would you? It doesn't make sense. With 17, 17 games left to go, uh, you know, yeah. it, 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 begs, it, it just beggars belief, I think, really. OK, maybe I'm biased because he's a friend and I've worked with him for a long time. But, you know, I mean... Common sense surely has got to come into the equation. Well, he's doing a good. He's doing a good job, isn't he? He's yeah. got them. What? What? The only way to they're saying that the only way he could possibly have saved his job would have been to have been first. Well, but I mean, another right to, to sort of keep on the money theme. Um, on the other side of the coin, we've got Derby County who've been deducted. Is it twenty-one points? I think I'm right in saying. They're second, yep. second from bottom now, despite having had 21 points deducted. Okay, they're in liquidation. They apparently owe something in the order of 60 million pounds, and yet they're still going. Now, I'm not suggesting that I want to see Derby go out of business, but I'm just trying to, you know, get the, the two ends of the scale. You've got a team like Sunderland, huge club, huge following. They follow them everywhere, huge crowds all the time. And, and he gets the sack, and yet Wayne Rooney, I mean, he's doing a good job as Wayne Rooney, I think, and to, 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 turn yeah, it, to, I mean, to turn it around, you know, well, to the degree that he has so far. To actually survive would be just, uh, you know, I'm actually pleased that he didn't get the Everton job, because I think that he's got, he's got unfinished business at Derby, and I think if he does keep them up, he'll be in line for uh, manager of the year, as far as I'm concerned, mm. because he's just, um, he's just knuckled, down. And I think it'll also enhance his, his managerial career. As regards to the, the Lee situation, you know, I think I'm absolutely gutted for him. I was very, very looked at that result and went, that's got to be a misprint. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. It sometimes wasn't. sometimes you just have an off night and um, they obviously had it at the wrong time. You know, as regards to his comments or, or po possible comments about COVID, you know, um, you know, I, I, I watch football, quite a lot of football on, as my wife would probably tell you, far too much. You know, on the on the telly, and the amount of people that are the games are stopped for for an incident in the stand now mm. is becoming almost like a regular basis. So, yes. you know, there there is definitely something um, there's definitely something that's not right with with you know with um, um, the vaccine and the possibility that it might be you know um, detrimental to the heart. Who knows? I'm not. I'm not a uh, doctor, um, so we can only hope that that's not the case, um, because then there'll be a lot more people going, you know, uh, down the wrong. Thankfully, nobody's actually died at these football games in the stand, and they've all all the medical people that have been at these grounds have done an absolutely magnificent job, you know, and um, in sa saving those individuals. That um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's. I don't think he's the only person thinking about that that comment or that you know possible comment or that situation. Um, you know, we've had Ericsson as well, who was finally fit. You know, as mm. as the jab, and then next thing you know, he's gone down on the pitch and uh, you know and, and almost loses his life through it, and uh, an unbelievably coming back now being um, signed on loan by Brentford, which is like a fantastic coup for them. Yeah, absolutely. But going back to the money, another thing that's just sort of occurred to me, you've got a situation like Manchester United, who are supposedly the richest football club in the world, give or take, right? Um, all of a well, sudden... Well, they probably are now. <laughs> well, yeah, but all of a sudden, they're, they're getting rid of half their players because they're so-called... They want to have a bit of a purge in the summer, but they've got to start generating uh -huh. money. This is the club that supposedly is one of the richest in the world. And yet they're selling yeah, it players. Well, yeah, it might well be the richest club in the world, but it's the worst run club in the world. So uh, that mm. probably explains that. You're sticking people uh, on ridiculous contracts. We've covered this in, in another week. You put, stick people on long, expensive contracts to try and protect 
their transfer value. But in effect, all you do then is you tie yourself up to having to pay that money because nobody else can match those wages, so they won't move as a consequence of that. It's just stupidity from United from the top to the bottom. So that's mm. what that is, Adrian. Well, well, it is I, I remember... Sorry, just jumping in. I remember yeah, uh, talking to um, Colin Addison, who's a, who was a, a really well-grounded manager, and also Terry Cooper, um, who's, who uh, was Bristol City manager when I when I was uh, there, trying to sort of like succeed as a footballer. And um, both of those came out with comments that um, they were very reluctant to do anything. You know, if it was a really exceptional player, he might bridge out to a three-year contract. But it had to be an exceptional player. But the smaller, the, the, the normal, you know, what he called the run-of-the-mill players or even like decent players, he'd keep them on a two-year contract because the one thing that, that, that he wanted was hunger. And both of them mentioned that yeah. word, hunger. You know, and when you give out these six-year contracts, people get the sippers on their feet and all of a sudden, you know, a classic example for me is that... Um, Somebody in you know, Arsenal, Aubameyang, you know, he's, he's worked so hard to get that contract. He gets a long five-year contract or whatever the contract is. And all of a sudden, he takes his foot off the gas mm. and does well. So right now, because I'm paid this X amount of money for, you know, the four or five years on, on my contract, absolutely happy days. You know, I've seen it with players in, in the past where they, <laughs> you know, they getting close to a contract. All of a sudden, they come to form and they just start whacking the goals in. You're thinking, hang on a minute, you know. You know, it's just because I've, I've now got to work for my contract, and um, you know, I, I, and um, I think the you know, I think it was really wise that that um, you know these managers and what they were saying because you know it kept those players hungry and they knew they had to perform because they knew they only had a two-year contract and they wanted that to be renewed you know, when it was getting close to the end. And also, they ran it right down to six months because they said, "Well, we've still got six months." You know, mm-hmm. right now we're going to talk about your contract. And then, you know, there's none of this, oh, we can't let it down for less than a year because he'll go down the path where, you know, he, he runs his contract out and then we lose him. Mm. Like it's happened at Arsenal a few more times. Well, I'll tell you another example of that. Well, two examples. First of all, um, again, the worst run club in the world paid, I think, 37000 for Ahmad Diallo. So pronounce that, I think, in it, right? Um, $37 million, uh, He's played... Yeah. One maybe one and a half games for United since he's come. Now they've put him out on loan to Rangers. Well, you know, thirty-seven well, we're, million. But we're, they, it's, it's not. It's not the only one. We we we've been through this before. You know, you had um, the, the Liverpool centre half. Sorry, his name's gone, gone by me at the moment. But it, before he'd even played last year, Nathaniel Phillips. Yeah. Before he even played last year, he was still getting three point two eight million a year. Now, that guy would probably never play a first-team game. Don't get me wrong, he came in and done an absolutely fantastic job. But I'm actually thinking, do you know what? Where's this performance-related pay that I think that should, you know, I think that all football clubs should should be on performance-related pay. You get like a, you know, a basic pay for, you know, a, a certain age. And, that, and then you get your bumper up where like, you know, I mean, we're on about goal bonuses the other day. Like, goal bonuses are absolutely ridiculous. Mm. You know, for some of the top players, you know, and um, you know, but it's performance related, and I think that actually you could actually run a club better if you you actually you're in the first team, right? You get a massive bonus for being in the first team. You know, you you score a goal, right? Give them, a, you know, you get a bonus for scoring a goal, but it, it some of these wages are getting a little bit out of hand, and as shown in the in the past, the likes of Derby, they they tried to like um, spend lots of money, it didn't work. And they found their club, and they've nearly lost their club. Mm. But I mean, an- another example: when I was working at Yeovil, I remember we had a French guy come in called Nicolas Mertzer. Everybody thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. He he had the look of a Patrick Vieira about him. He was he was a good player. He played about three or four games for Yeovil. Uh, it was when Gary was there, and um, he played three or four games. Uh, and they said, "Yeah, right, we're going to give you a contract." Gave him a contract. He suddenly went from hero to zero. He was rubbish after that. And and it just yeah. shows you that, I mean, all right, he's perhaps an ex- extreme example, but, um, you know, obviously some of these players, they're not genuine, are they? That It's, it's money-orientated to them. Uh, you know, oh, not... totally. Totally. 
most most of the ones that are going to go, we're recording this on on transfer deadline day. But most of the ones that you'll find in a Newcastle shirt next Saturday, mm. I think you'll find that they're all there for the money. But then that's funny because that's come around and that's bit Newcastle on the bum because everybody knows that they've got the oil money. Everything yeah. is up. I mean, even United with um, Jesse Lingard. Yeah, they were insisting on uh, uh, avoiding relegation bonus clause. So, I mean, it's it's nice to see that Newcastle aren't having it all their own way as far as uh, transfers and things go. Well, no, I see. Uh, it says now on my phone that uh, Jesse Lingard's not going to uh, Newcastle no, that's after the all. He's staying. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Mm. Mm. Wow. So, so there'll be another one. Pick- there's another one picking up 150,000 for sitting on the bench twice a week. See, see, when you and I'm, I'm actually pleased that you actually said that they're the worst run football club because when yeah. you actually see them trying to like you know muscle their way, um, uh, you know, and, and and try and bamboozle some transfers and actually get these players, sometimes you think, are you just buying that player so somebody else can't have him? But actually, it's become detrimental to your football club now because you're stuck with a lot of players on long contracts that really probably are not good enough. And now you're trying to offload somebody like, you know, Van der Beek is, mm. is, is, is reportedly going to be moving out. And yeah, they now want to get rid of probably 10, 14, 16 players so that they can have a purge in, in the summer transfer window because they realise they've actually made a right cock up, you know, and it's now going to cost them. I mean, I, I, I said to somebody the other day, I said, you know, it's going to cost them at least half a billion to change that football club, yeah, you know, of actually getting that 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 now that's that's a huge, huge investment for any business, whether it's in football, basketball, you know, half a billion pounds of investment, possibly up to that, um, because to change a side like he wants to change it, and for the getting the world they call world class players in, is going to cost you what sixty, seventy million a player, mm. yeah. That's, no. That was the city model, wasn't it? Remember when Pep used to insist all the time, "Oh, we don't have the most expensive player. We've never broken the transfer record, transfer record, and yet every single member of their squad cost them fifty million. Yeah. So it's a bit disingenuous to say that we haven't lumped it all on one player when every single member of your squad has cost you that. That's yeah. where the real, real wealth. Mm. Yeah, and they pushed the fair and they, and they pushed the fair play uh, rules to the limit, didn't they? And uh, you know, just about got away with it. Like, but um, yeah, uh, I mean, it is, another thing though that that we're not, you know, that we're not, um, we're missing. What about what about our friend, Mister um, the Agent? I can't think of his name now. But um, forty-one million when when um, Paul Pogba transferred. Oh, it's bloody ludicrous, yeah. isn't it? Well, it's it's like with the Haaland situation coming up. He's got he might have a sixty-five million release clause in his his contract with Dortmund at the moment but they're talking about about the negotiations it's still going to cost anybody about 150 million because Mini agent mm. and his dad are all, yeah. all both of them are in line for bonuses of tens of millions if this lad signs for a signs for a well talking the other day they're saying that that possibly could go the 65 million for the actual player they reckon it could Possibly go over the two hundred million yeah. uh, mark, which would be yeah, when all the ads add on. So uh, yeah, football's gone crazy. You know, it's uh, it's it's like no other business really, as far as I can see. It's um, it's certainly going down the American line, and um, where sooner or later, you know, these players will be going from corporation to corporation, or the corporations <laughs> will be actually um, running their lives. But it's um. I think it's distasteful the the way the uh, the agents are getting such huge amounts of money, um, just really to try and get a player what they want. I mean, I think that there should be. I'd like to see a gov- the government get involved in that. I'd like to see the government, um, you know, uh, take stance and and actually, you know, because when these pl- when these players' agents actually get this type of money, what always is is affected for me. Is grassroots football, you know, it's right through from like uh, yeah. cha- championship, all right the way down to to the grassroots football, and you know that money could be better spent. So I'd like to see the government actually come in and actually say, right, there's a limit on what the actual agents can do, but a percentage of your money should be going right through to grassroots football, and uh, 
because that's where our, our next stars are coming from and it yeah. needs a huge investment. The quality of our pitches, the quality of the changing rooms, you know, that could all be, you know, the lottery does, does immense work for that. You know, um, you know, put the community uh, area side of it and getting um, underprivileged children into, into sports in general and, and supporting them if they're good um, with grants. Um, I think that um, is immensely important. And I think that by, by just throwing money at agents and making them extremely wealthy people, I think is quite vulgar, if you, if you want my honest opinion. And the other thing with that, the other thing with that is as soon as, this is why I don't have an issue with massive transfer fees, because that money stays within the game. As soon as the money goes yeah. to an agent, it's taken out, out of the game. And it can't be invested yeah. anywhere else. It's just gone into some sweaty little geezer's pocket. But that's and that'll be funny. Why is he getting forty-one million? Well, yeah, I don't know. How much you know, does what, he need? I yeah. mean, I mean, that's disgusting. I mean, like, well, there's, there's no need for him to have that percentage of money. Yeah. You know, you can. well, I think I've said this before. I've definitely said it before. You know, Liverpool spent was it seven seventy-three million one year in in agents' fees. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that mm. that could be two or three good good quality players. And that's the yeah. other thing. Um, is just saying about um, money going down to grassroots level. When you actually look at the amount of money it would take and the good you could do with a few million, which is chicken feed at the other end of the scale, yeah. you're talking about agents getting 41 million, to do massive work all over the country will probably cost you a few million, maybe yeah. 10 million. Uh, and what, yeah. what is that in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, well, if when, you you go... when, you look at, um, when you look at the clubs that have gone under... Mm. Bury when they went under. It's like, oh no, they've gone with debts of, of two and a half million. Two and a half million. Yeah. Some players are getting that after about two months. Yeah, it's I know. ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, it's, it's, is... and because because the, the in the heart of most towns and cities, you know, is in the community is football club because um, yeah. you know, and uh you know, and it, it's now helping, you know, we've talked about mental health, you know, right through from you know through COVID as well. You know, and it's um, you don't understand what football clubs actually do within the community as well. And they're uh, right back to the days when you know when I was at uh, Newport County and Bristol City. You know, we were all encouraged hugely to go out into the community and do something. And I I worked with um, you know, some disabled people for. You know, I actually started. It was supposed to be just for you know six months, and I ended up doing that for two and a half years. And um, you know, it was uh, it was a hugely important part of my life because it made me very grounded. And um, when you see what's been going on in, in football in the last couple of days, you know, I'm very grateful for that uh, grounding. It's kept my feet on the ground, and uh, you know, and um, it, it, it's not maybe big headed or, or anything like that because I, you know, it's given me a, an outlook on um, what is actually real life out there. It's a perspective, isn't it? You appreciate absolutely, the fact that yeah. You that opportunity and absolutely you know and uh everybody gets it's it's interesting too that that you know the way we're talking at the moment um don't want to go into it in big detail because i expect it's probably subjudice or whatever the expression is but but i see that they're they're quoting in the press and, and on the internet that um people were very worried about mason greenwood's general attitude around the club of late and now we have this. I thought that had been that had been sorted because he had the initial thing with when him and Phil Foden hmm. were sent back from an England squad. Yeah, and then apparently I listened to a few uh, United podcasts, and the word from within the club was that he'd been sort of rehabilitated into that. He was getting a bit Billy Big Boots, but he had been becoming a little bit more humble and a little bit more getting a better. Pers- perspective on things and being a better human being and then you get this stuff come out over the weekend it does make you wonder well not only that i mean it makes you wonder but clearly you know he's a 19 year old he's earning i don't know something like 100 grand a week uh, you know i mean mm-hmm. you you imagine it what would you do rick and, and you're you're a grounded you know old age pensioner nearly if you had a hundred grand, Thank you very much. In, that's all right. If you had a hundred grand coming in a week, but I mean, imagine how you know how would you cope if you go think back to when you were nineteen and somebody said, "Yeah, there's hundred grand a week coming in there." I mean, God, you know, would you better would Not you better adapt to it? I don't think you could adapt to it. I could. But this, 
this this is where this is where it's hugely important. I, uh, and uh, again, I, we, we've gone over this before, like, is it, and it's very much part of, of where my wife wants to go down the route of of educating. She wants to go into football clubs and educate them about financial, well, you know, stuff. Them, and, as soon as yeah, they, it's down to the football clubs, Rick, to yeah, make absolutely. sure that they're educated. They're, they're brought through the academy. And part of that academy process should be, you know, part and parcel of finance education. There's nothing there. You well, know, you don't just education. produce good footballers, you need to produce good human beings. Absolutely. And part of that process should be producing a good human being that, that respects women, yeah. respects elders, you know, Appreciates respects what they... Lucky appreciate they that they're how lucky they are. Yeah. And he's probably just gone, if, if, you know, listen, it's all speculation at the moment. And I hope to God, for his sake, that it's not true, you know. But it, but the, the evidence looks pretty damning at the yeah. moment, from what I've heard, you know, because we've all probably listened to it. And I think that I can't understand, you know, any person, let alone a footballer, coming out with what he's coming out with, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. as regards to what he wants from a woman. And it's very damning the way he's he, he, it sounded, you know. So let's hope for for his sake that it, it's not true. Let's hope for his sake that. He's learnt his lesson from this. But if it is true, what a waste of a decent career. And if it is true, it should be a line in the sand and he should get everything that's coming to him. And hopefully... Oh, absolutely. Hopefully that sends a message to future lads who think they're untouchable. Absolutely. They think they're indestructible. They're above the law. They're above this. They absolutely. can do whatever they like. No, you can't. 100%. But to, to, yeah. to, 100%. To, to just to, to sort of even the, the, the plot a little bit, it's not unheard of of unscrupulous women setting up naive nineteen-year-olds oh. in such a way. I hope, I hope, for God's sake, for the hope of the club, for the for the sake of, of football and for Mason Greenwood himself. I hope it's not true. Um, but you know, no. so these, these things so do happen, don't they? They they do. Well, we had to get the, we had, we had the Chad Evans situation, didn't we? Like where mm. um, you know, and I, I watched the video and. Uh, you know, she said in the courtroom that she was absolutely paralytic. Well, she walked into that blooming hotel, walked out yeah. in a taxi, picked up the pizza and walked back in again. So, yeah. you know, uh, she, it goes to prove that they can be set up and, and he was proven to be innocent in the mm. end. And, uh, yeah. You know, and... Uh, but it just, it, you know, yeah, there's certainly people who want to uh, be headliners. Uh, you know, again, I'm not suggesting for any one set that this girl is like that. Um and I said, you know, it does look pretty damning what I heard, if, if that's the evidence. Yeah. But um, let's just hope for his sake that it's not true and, um, you know, he can move on from this. But if it is, you know, I agree with Rick, you know, he should uh, be made yeah. an example of. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's bringing the whole, he's bringing football into disrepute, he's bringing Man United into disrepute, and he's bringing the human race into disrepute as well. Thing, the other thing at the moment, he's, he's, he's bringing our gender into disrepute. Yes. Yeah. I'm yes. Fed up, I'm fed up with blokes being blamed for stuff when it's only a few individuals. And I know it's a difficult, it's a convoluted argument, and it's a there is fault everywhere and what have you. But blokes just start behaving like you've got a bit of common sense and not just get carried away with this stuff. It's nonsense. Mm. Absolutely. Not. Well, should we move on to proper football now? Then? Hmm. <laughs> Define proper football, right? Uh, well, just, <laughs> just just proper football. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Wayne Rooney, apart from the fact that we, we've already mentioned him. But but you know what a good job he is doing. Um, Apparently, I heard I heard one bit. Thorpe was saying earlier on about um, with being linked with the Everton job. I, I read one report. I heard one report where he'd actually turned it down. He said that he still had work to do at Derby. Yeah. And well, what a that. so. Fair play to him in that sense. I, if that's the case, I hugely applaud him because one, he's yeah. learning his trade and no better way to learn your trade in a situation where he's going to be learning absolutely everything about uh, football clubs and how to run them, how to, uh, how to not get into those pitfalls, to have the experience. And I hope Derby do survive because they're an amazing football club. Mm. To have that experience and, and trying to have having to work with players and have no no money whatsoever. Um, it's a bit like Darren Soul, really. I mean, that's the amazing job that he's done. Like, and I think he should be hugely complimented for it as well. Mm. Um, you know, uh, 
you know, and uh, as regards to that, you know, I want to send out my applaudits to him as well. But uh, Rooney, you know, I wasn't sure whether he could, could could do the managerial thing, but he has proved me wrong big time. And, um, you know, I absolutely uh, think he's done an amazing job. And I think this will put him in good stead for the for the, his future managerial career. And he's I think, learning how I to think... build, build a club, isn't he? He's not just chucking money yeah. at it. And also, absolutely. Just, just a point with Adrian, just hang on, easy. Um, he, if Derby hadn't had that, it's 21 points, didn't it? They got penalised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they'd be 14th. Right. Really? If they hadn't had those points taken away. Mm. Yeah. So they, they, they're Which, going you know, well. about right. Um, they should be. You consider his hands are tied. Everything that that club do is done on the training field. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting the most. He's getting everything out of what he's got because he he hasn't got the money and the finances, you know, whatever to bring anyone. And and even then, he's, he's, he's already lost. Um, he's lost Jaggy Elka, and there's another one. I think yeah. he's lost. I think he's lost two already. There was talk of Tom Lawrence going somewhere, but I don't think he's. Tom Lawrence is the, is the star in the. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, you know, I've I've been to Derby County. I've I've you know when the Oval was there. Um, what a stadium! It's a great stadium. It's a fantastic. The whole setup is fantastic, apart from the fact they haven't got a roof. And I got soaking burning wet when we were there. Um, it was, uh, <laughs> but no, it was, it's a great stadium. And and you know, you think, well, if I could become a successful manager at Derby County, what what more could I ask for, really? Because you've got a good stadium, you've got a good squad of players, and hopefully he'll get some sensible owners that will help him to do the job. And who knows, I could see him back in the Premier League fairly quickly as well, if he gets if they get over yeah, well, the financial you know hardship. At the moment, uh, Derby are spending two hundred and thirty thirty three thousand, just a fraction over two hundred thirty three thousand per week. So that's you know again it's 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 surprising it's that high actually makes you realize the sort of figures that are involved all throughout the game though doesn't it really well, well Tom Lawrence is done earning you know 27 grand a week hmm. well that's that's pretty low I would have said terms, for a, for a uh, football, yeah. yeah football terms that's not massive but then take yourself no. out of the football bubble in the real world that's in the real world that's a hell of a salary Mm. But yeah. it's not a, it's not a ridiculous footballer's salary. It just shows how disconnected football is from reality. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and also surprisingly enough, they they have sixty four players on their books at the moment, which again, with the situation that they're in, is still I would have said it's extremely high. Mm. Mm. Well, you would have thought you know, that the administrators by now would have stepped in and said, look, you know, this lot have got to go. I mean, I don't know if it's as simple as they've got to go, whether they can, and then they can sue them for well, breach of contract it, or something. They? But if you're going to sue somebody for breach of contract and they haven't got any money, well, you can sue all you like. If there's no money there to pay you, you're not going to get anything, are you? Yeah. You know. and they've been told, Derby players have been told they cannot afford outstanding wages from December. So this is probably why these players are actually going. So when when you actually consider what he's done as a job, in, and and Rick's dead right, you know where fourteenth is right where they should be with no money in that football club. Um, God knows where they're getting that money from to play those players and keep it at the standing where it is and actually producing good good solid results week in week out. You know, getting another a real late draw, you know, goal for a draw uh, midweek or last week. You know, again, it's a fantastic effort from the team um, because um, there's be better um, quality squads that are not doing as well. <laughs> Do you know, and um, you know, I think it's it's just outstanding what they've actually done at that football club and how they've kept it, it, it going. And let's hope they do survive. Well, it's a proper football club, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But, yeah. but let, let, let's let's compare it now then to Everton. Now Everton had just sacked Rafa Benitez. Um, he, he, he moved in, and that's a fact. Uh, he moved in, um, and uh, Carlo Ancelotti, who I thought was a, you know, I thought he was a good manager. I was surprised, but then again, Real Madrid, I suppose they come calling. Yeah. You can't turn them down, really. But um, so now, okay, so Frank Lampard's going to go in. Well, you know, everybody said they thought he got a raw deal at Chelsea when he got the sack there. Um, 
you know, they certainly they don't take prisoners at Everton. Are the are the supporters going to take to him? Is he going to turn Everton around? Because he hasn't got an awful lot of time to do it. I mean, nobody thinks so. Oh, they're going to get relegated, but you, you know, it takes time to turn a club around. Are they, is he going to have the ability to do it? It's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because like, it's a totally different managerial style that he's going to need at the moment. Because when he was at um, he was at Derby and again. I thought he did a great job at Derby. Mm. He's then gone to to Chelsea, where he's had you know uh, a huge huge wage. Um, the ability to spend money, um, but again, at that point they had they they also had the um, stopping transfers for a while, which actually helped him. But this is this is now a, a different one where he's he's going to be given money to spend. I think they've spent quite a lot already. Um, he's going to have players on longer contracts, like you know the problems have it, and and then he's trying to, you know, he's trying to get Deli Ali in um, for four, forty million. Um, whether that actually works, so he's got little time to actually, well, no time at all actually to get any any players in. So he's literally going to be throwing a dart in, into the dartboard on that one, and um, you know, and uh, we, we'll see where he is. But he, he's, he's one thing he has got if he if he takes his coach with him, he's, he's got an amazing coach, and um, you know, he, he can he can do it on. He's been proven in the past; he can do it on the training field, and he's going to have to get his team rolling. Which which well, they, coach they are, are you referring to, Paul? Which uh, which name coach? Got out of my head. He, he was at Chelsea with him. Um, help me, help me. I'll find out now. You find out. Bear with me. Well, what what I was going to say was it? there is another coach. Sorry, what? Rick. There is another coach that's being spoke of in in really glowing terms. Who? Um, well, I certainly know him very well, and you know him, I think, and that's Anthony Barry, who was at Yeovil um, as a player. Oh yeah, uh, and he's uh, he's a coach up at Chelsea at the moment, and he, he I saw in the paper yesterday that there were talk that he was he was um, angling to take Anthony Barry with him to Everton. So yeah. you know, that's a Yeovil okay, well, connection. So, yeah, that would be amazing for him. Though Frank Lampard's been taking Paul Clement. Oh yeah, uh, but the lad I was on about the coach side, if he takes him, is Jody Morris, who's oh, an amazing. Oh, coach. Jody Morris. Yeah. He, did, he did a lot of work with Chelsea youth sides, didn't he? Yes, he did. He brought in a lot of really good players. He worked his way up through the academy system, and um, you know, and he was uh, whilst he was at Chelsea, he was in fact uh, his number two and, and first team coach. So, you know, his his his, his pedigree is exceptional, and I'll be very surprised if he doesn't take him with him. Yeah. Well, the reason earlier on, I, when you were introducing about Everton, Adrian, I said Man United light, is that they are like a slightly scaled down version of United. They've got owners that you can say they have spent money. You can say the Glazers have yeah. spent money. Everton's mm. have spent money, but they spent it very, very poorly. And you, whoever comes in and manages at both those clubs have players from the previous that are still there from the previous three, four managers regime. Mm. So you're, you're, you're managing other people's players all the time. And it, and it just seems to me that those two clubs, both massive clubs, are both in a similar sort of situation in that respect, albeit on a slightly different scale with United. But the Glazers don't care as long as they get their dividends. And, and no. That's what Care about. Yeah. Really the thing is with Lampard taking Paul Clement as well. Like, I mean, Clement's had his. You know, we all knew that he was a great coach, and he's all. We've all heard about him being an, uh, an exceptional number. Because if you get those two things right, you know, um, it shows the fans that you're well on board. And um, you know, it can be discussed. You know, uh, a later date whether whether you think he's actually done that or not. But um, you know, it's, it's any football club. You know, those two things are in, integral to any managerial success. Well, it's, it's funny, Adrian, just with that bit that Adrian just said then about the Everton owner saying, it's my club, I can do it. Like, no, it's not, mate. You are merely a custodian of the club. The club yeah. belongs to the supporters. Every yeah. single club belongs to the supporters. You're yeah. just holding the reins <clears throat> and trying to make a few quid out of it. But yeah, yeah. as soon as you lose that between the club and the fans, that's the most important thing. You can't without fans. There's no there's no professional football clubs. And that's also 
plus also these fans have high expectations. So when they know that you know you're you're getting uh, over well over a hundred million a year, yeah. they're expecting you to spend. They're expecting you to spend. Now, in all fairness, you know Everton have backed their managers and and spent a lot of money. You know it's a uh, yeah. They're, they're they're quite up there in the spending ranks. They've just not spent it wisely enough, right. and they haven't spent it. You know, I think uh, I, I remember, can't remember who it was said the other day, literally last week. You know, the one big thing about Everton Football Club that they've now got to get right, apart from getting the right manager, is their coaching. You know, is the academy and their coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, the way they actually get players into the football club has to be looked at because it's clearly not right, and it's costing the football club too much money. And I thought that that's really, that's really, really sensible because, um, you know, if you get that right, um, you can save yourself millions and millions of pounds. Yeah. You know, it's been no proven. Pro- it? Yeah, but it's been proven, like, you know, I, this is why we talked in the last uh, couple of podcasts about, like, uh, the, the bringing younger players through the League Cup and put, playing them in the FA Cup because they're getting first-team experience. But it's about producing and producing players. And um, it's highly important that they get the academies right. I want to see more academy players coming through into the first team. Yeah. You know, even at Liverpool, I want to see that. You know, Manchester United have had huge success. They did it when the famous comment from Alan Hansen said, you can't win anything with kids. And they went and did it with an amazing bunch of academy players. And, um, you know, and Alex Ferguson proved to everybody that the, the whole club was so well run that they can not only like buy in and make a few mistakes along the way, but buy in good players, but they can also bring their academy through as well. And I think that 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 I think needs to come back into uh, I would say one hundred percent of every single football club in, in, in Britain. Well, if you want to have that relationship between the club and the supporters, that's the quickest way to do it. Supporters yeah. will always get behind, particularly if they're local. But if they're a youth product from within that club. The yeah. supporters are much more forgiving and much more supportive than if you get mm. somebody who's come in for a shed load of money and you might suspect that he does, he has come just for a shed load of money and he doesn't actually care. Whereas yeah. those youth players will care. Will care. Well, Inter- uh, interesting though, you, you've gone on about academy players uh, and academies in general at Everton. Of course, Phil Jevons was in, in charge of the under 18s at uh, uh, Everton yeah, until no. fairly recently. When he moved to take it or not, Sunderland. So now we all know what happens generally when a manager gets sacked. They, you know, they all his staff go with him, and um, yeah. you know, you sort of think, well, what's going to happen to Jevo now? Is Jevo going to get the sack from Sunderland? So you know, it... probably. But the other side of that age is the next time Lee gets a job, he takes his backroom staff with him. So, yeah, so it, yeah. It's sort of it's just the nature of it's the nature of the beast, really. Well, it is, but I mean, you take you take you take the amount of young young players that have left your your town. Yeah, you know, for, for recently yeah. from the academy. I mean, you know, I remember when Steve Rutter and uh, Paul Wilson were running the academy and uh, were wrong, 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 wrongly uh, asked to leave, as far as I'm concerned. But they had, one of their players they tried to get into to sign a uh, Yeovil Town to sign. Signed for Brighton Hove Albion, mm. you know. Another one signed for QPR. Another one signed for Crystal Palace, and uh, so they're I think one actually play. signed for Derby. So they, so they're, they're, they're good, good enough players. Yeah. But these, you know, it, it, it frustrated me at the time. Um, you know, the, 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 the actual manager didn't trust the system enough to be able to take these players on. Yeah. Mm. You know, because those players have obviously proven now that they've gone. Some have gone to the championship. Some have actually gone into the Premiership. Um, clubs and are out, in, in experiencing uh, in a Premiership life, and um, it just shows that um, one that Yeovil Town is in in the area has got some good, really good players. There's but no if competition. You have that academy, there's no real competition because the local lads are going to they used to go to Southampton didn't they now yeah. a lot of them at my son's age or whatever they'll be going down to Exeter yeah why Yeovil Yeovil should be put, investing money in that you're never going to compete in the transfer market and it's easy for me to say because I don't have to do it but you would have thought there is talent out there that's been proven Yeovil haven't got much money that's proven make the most of what you've got and again yeah. the fans would be more supportive of that 
But well, let me tell you, every single football club I have been at, I mean every single one, uh, when a when a uh, when a local player or a local person signs for that football club, it's big news. Yeah, big big news. You know, and um, and and also when I was a, a manager of a, a couple of clubs in in the Western League and Southern League level, you know that those clubs made it quite apparent if I could get a local player into that football team and they were obviously good enough, you know, please try and make that happen because it's, yeah. it's, it's invaluable. And, uh, and you don't have you know, to market and, the jobs, the jobs already done because everyone wants to see somebody from that town representing yeah. their football club and doing well. Yeah, and it, absolutely. I mean, it'd be nice if you could get back to a situation of the Celtic side that won the 67 uh, European Cup. Yeah. Well, they all born within a mile where they have, um, of the ground. Is it, so, was it really? Something like was that. It really? It's very, very local. They really were. Wow. I mean, that, that sort of incredible. thing never again. That was an anomaly. No. Even. No, yeah. What a great story. Absolutely. That is a phenomenal a story. story. And of course, you know, Yeovil, to a certain extent, has taken things to the extreme now because Joe Quigley leaving, um, reportedly, but, you know, coming from the chairman himself, in that that uh, he needed the money for cash flow purposes for the club and he was more or less blaming the supporters for the fact that they weren't coming. But, well, I think, you know... That'll seems, make them turn up, won't it? Well, exactly. That's what I was just going to say, you know. And, and not only that, you sort of think, well, well, hang on a minute, you know. I mean, if you didn't take so long to get this whole uh, situation sorted out, which it seems to have been going on endlessly... I mean, the number of rumours that I've had, oh, it's going to be next week, it's going to be next week, never happens. I mean, you know, no. what is going on? The supporters want to know. And then you start selling your best players, That's a that's got to be the first, you know, the first rung on the ladder of going down with a big bang. Do you know what, Aidy? If he's worried about people coming to this ground, right, give out free tickets. Mm. So I guarantee you, every person that comes in through that door has been a tenner. Yeah. Yeah, right. So give away, give away five hundred, five hundred tickets. We said it before when when I used to work for Yarlington and Abbey Housing Association. The amount of times I went there and said, "Give us five hundred tickets, hmm. and we distribute them," because I guarantee you they'll all spend, spend a tenner. Yeah, we, yeah. you know, it, it, and and also from that from that point of well, giving those five hundred tickets away, you know. To, to, to underprivileged children or whatever, or whichever way you want to do it, like, you know, um, those people might come back and actually yeah. spend their own money to watch them because they enjoyed it. Mm. You know, uh, Bristol City used, used to have a, uh, a family stand and they used to have all these types of uh, little gimmicks going, you know, and um, uh, uh, Trowbridge Town, I was asked to, like, start up uh, something and, and we did the, the Hornets Club and we get every, every single month, we gave away so many free tickets but you know what we did then we actually said right you know you can bring a mate with you and right so there's two kids coming in but it had to be with a paying adult yeah so actually yeah. our gates went up and they, they went up quite substantial as well like you know so there are ways of doing it um just by blaming the supporter i don't think it's the best idea in the world especially if you're you know trying to get them on on board but um you know it, it, there is a way there are ways around it and of course by doing those and giving away those tickets, you know, where, where, where those are going to be empty seats anyway, you're actually working with the community, right? Yeah. You know, we, we, we could have, a, we could have a, a cancer day. We could have a motor neurons day. We could have all these different type of days where we bring people in. And uh, that's, that's working with the community and that's really enhancing um, and getting through people, getting people to come and enjoy a day. But also, it might, they might spend a little bit of money which helps the football club as well. Well, if you make it a habit, that's what I found. My my son just started going to see Yeovil, and it, from going once or twice and it being a novelty, now it's it's what he does. If Yeovil are home, yeah, he'll be there. And you make yeah. it a habit, and you get mm. people used to going and familiar and comfortable with it. And if you've got to bite the bullet and not get a few quid through the gate, but you like you say, Paul, you will get it back in another way. Yeah, absolutely. Common sense, isn't it? Well, <sighs> obviously not because they're not doing it, you know. Right. And um, you know, and also uh, if you want if you want your team to perform better, they're going to perform an awful lot better with a, a stadium that's got a few thousand more people in it than they are if they're rattling around on their own. Hmm. 
you'd have thought anyway. There's a huge opportunity at Yeovil, like you said. There's yeah. the area, the area that we're around, you know, right down to Taunton. You know, those those fans would come. We've seen it because they came to the championship. They came to like when we was we were successful. Where are they now? Mm. Where are they now? Yep. There's, there, there's the, that's the real big question. They're still there. They're still there. They're probably still looking at the old town's results. You know, but it's important that we reach out to them and try and find them in some way, and that's through the community. You know, and the community is is uh, a massive part of any 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 club, and um, it's those people who probably don't understand how important their job is, and um, uh, it, it's an integral part of any football club, and uh, something that can be really enhanced, especially where Yeovil are at the moment, to their benefit. Well, they the thing is, they say that clubs like Newcastle and Leeds get massive support because they're one club of cities. Somerset, mm. if you look at it, mm-hmm. is a one-club county. Yeah. yeah. So there's all that un- untapped resources and interest in the football club. That mm. It's just biggest belief that it's not, not, not the most obvious thing. And then if you want to sell, you make it a more saleable um, acquisition. If, it, if it's you're selling something that's got an atmosphere like that and, and people behind it, the community behind it, Surely that's worth a few more bob than the, the shell like it is right now. It's got to be. But the trouble is, wow. as long as Yeovil is in this this um, situation where nobody knows what's happening, uh, all right, Mr. Priestnell does, yes, mm. but so the, the, the supporters don't. And it's this sort of, the players probably don't know exactly what's going on either. So they may be yep. thinking, well, you know, if they're going to sell the club, does that mean the manager's going to stay or the manager's going to go? Do we need to sort of worry about the manager? We should be worrying about yeah. ourselves. There's all that uncertainty that is created by the fact that the club is sort of, you know, it's in this, it's in this state of sort of nothing's happening. It, it, it's so frustrating. It's limbo, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, I think that it's quite... Has anybody has he been given another number two? Because as far as I know, Terry's gone. No, no, no. He's on his own now. Not as far as I know. No, so no. See, see, there's 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 something as well. I mean, why is he not being given another number two? You know, uh, surely you know (laughs) they're saving money. There's penny pinching. There's getting certain things right. A manager is a very very hard job. Let me tell you, it's very, very hard. You're on that phone constantly. You're organising training sessions. You're looking at players. You're some players have got problems. You're like, you know, a, a shoulder to cry on. You, you're you're trying to educate the youngsters as well. It's a huge, huge job, um, even at non-league level, let alone football league as well. And um, it, it, he's a very, very good manager. But he's also a very, very good manager for where Yeovil are at the moment. So the last thing I'd want at the moment is, is for Darren Sahl to be leaving, mm. and then that whole process starting again. You know, he's doing, he's done an amazing job. At times, there's been real, real difficulties at this football club, but he's told you the truth. He, he's been honest with you. Sometimes you might not have liked what he said, but he's been honest, and he and he's he, he's done a tremendous job. And I think it's the last thing we need at the moment is for him to be leaving this football club. Yeah, yeah, because there's still a chance of getting into those playoffs. I know it's receding Actually, every no, week. If, that goes. If, yeah, if, if Darren goes, that goes. But nobody else yeah. will come and pick it up. And, mm. No, but, and, and all, all of a sudden, then the squad has to be rebuilt again. He's got yeah. a chance of the next year of keeping a fair amount of those players. Uh, that is movement forward in itself, because this year he had to rebuild that squad again. Last year, those older players... You know, decided to move on. They had a lot more experience in that side. But this year, I think the I think the fans have enjoyed the energy. Yes, they've made a few mistakes, but they, they they've actually, you know, understood that you're going to find a few mistakes in youngsters because that's what happens. But they've had yeah. the energy there, the work rate there. They've seen an, an energy and a, an exuberance in that football club, and it's been reborn a little bit. And I think that 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 needs rewarding. And it's certainly not by getting rid of the manager. Mm. No, there's no doubt about that. But you see, we, we keep coming back to that, that what we started with, don't we? Money, 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 money. money. It's yeah. all it's money, isn't it? Um, just just slightly at a, at, a, at a loss here. Kiefer Moore, I see, is going to sign for Bournemouth from from um, <laughs> Cardiff. <Wow. laughs> so he, he's going to be into the into the um, Premier League pretty soon, I should think, because Bournemouth looked like it could go up. 
And uh, what what do we think about the story that is? What do we think about the six players that Newcastle have signed? In terms of just just forget the money side of it now, and the fact they've probably overpaid for them. But you know, what do we think about the players that they've taken on? Who they taken on apart from Trippier? Trippier and Dan Byrne, Matthew Target. Off the top of my Dan, head. Dan Bird is signed, is he? Well, I think he's, he's in the process to... of. There's this yeah. bloke, this this Portuguese guy, no Brazilian, sorry, yeah. Brazilian guy, um, Bruno, somebody or other. Yeah, I mean, so well, let me say about Dan Byrne. First and foremost, I think he's done. Uh, he's just stuck at his his task. He's he's made himself into an extremely good Premiership footballer. But not only just as a defender, as a central defender. He's shown how versatile he's played at left back. He's also played at wing back as well, mm. and that that is a position I never thought that I'd ever see him play. He's but he tallest, did it really, really well. He's the tallest wing back in history, or something, didn't he? Because he well, doesn't look like you're playing that. No, but he does a good job. He does a yeah. really good job, and wherever they put him, he's been a solid, solid player, and um, he deserves again. He deserves the accolades of, of sticking at it, and. Um, and, and produce them into a fantastic footballer. But, I mean, as regards to the, the rest of them, I don't know who they've signed. Um, I'll have to have a look at it. And um, But, it, yeah, they, they needed they needed an injection of life into their team and their squad to try and keep them up. Because that, that is not... You know, they, they, have to, they have to really turn that around. So, can Eddie, can Eddie how keep them up? Next question. Oh, no. Big question. You know that that that's um, yeah. There'll be money spent on the bookies on that one for sure. Um, mm. I don't know. I hope I, for for me, I hope he does keep him up because I like him as a manager. But I think I think the Premiership needs a club like uh, Newcastle and the fans in there. I think that it's a great football club. Do you, you know, not like think, Derby? It's, do you not think that that's a that's a myth that everybody's buying into because they're the most entitled. The supporters of a club that has won nothing since nothing, absolutely nothing. They've won nothing. They've got they've this, won They've got this immense sense of entitlement that they are a big club. They should be there. Oh, listen to the passion. But why? What, they've won, why they've won, they won. Listen, they have won absolutely nothing. nothing you know, nothing. but um, but uh, I think I think the area. It's not. I think I think that's why people like him is the area. It's about Sunderland and Newcastle. There's passion up there, and yeah, they are very passionate. I suppose yeah, in a way, it is nauseating a little bit at times when you think they're they're entitled to it. And not since really like Kevin Keegan got really really close, they, they produced a hell of a team there, and it just didn't quite get there. But um, do you know what my favorite you know, my favorite thing about that team was when uh, when they beat uh, beat United. 5-0 at St. James. Yeah. And the John Hall, who was Newcastle chairman at the time, turned to uh, Martin Edwards, who was in charge of United, and said, there you go. You've seen the champions of England tonight. And sure enough, <laughs> because United went to the league. <laughs> oh, dear. It, it was, was a hell like, of a season. It was a hell oh, of a season. Yeah. A lot lot of um, politics going on behind the scenes between the managers. But, and uh, It's best that year. Yeah, he, he probably was. To be fair, he probably was. And uh, as, mu- as much as I love Keegan, he was um, politically not uh, astute enough to uh, deal with uh, Mr Ferguson. <laughs> no, no, I would love it. I would love it <laughs> if love we it. beat them. Would you love it, Adrian? Yeah, I'd but love it. Another thing that, that irritates me about the Newcastle thing, just before all the Geordies get, get on the case, is, is also, it's, I think it's one trinket club too many. They these clubs that you know they could be anybody Manchester City, PSG, Chelsea, now Newcastle. Where would they be without the money that's being chucked at? Oh, Newcastle have shown that they will be nothing, they've been nothing for the last did, 50 did, 60 did you, years. Did you not leave Wrexham off that? <laughs> but then again, the, the funny thing is, having been at uh Yeovil when Wrexham played, I know they have got a bigger squad and they are chucking a little bit. It seems it looks like the the money's gone into the infrastructure of the club. Yeah. Because if you look at their website, yeah. you look at other little bits and pieces around them. It's like they put a really professional setup there. And and this, in fairness to um, Abu Dhabi, they've done the same thing around the area of, uh, of Manchester, the city. Well, that's Stockport, isn't it? But around the 
the city stadium and everything, the money they spent on the infrastructure is is commendable. But yeah. it's just on the football side. It just it bores me now. It, <laughs> it, it's so boring. Minute it's to go, chaps. Got... Time to go. Sorry to interrupt, Uh-oh. but. Uh... Time being what it is, it waits for no man. So, Rick, thanks very much for joining us tonight, and the same to you, Porpy. No problem. And uh, my pleasure. We will we will pleasure speak to always. you again in the fullness of time. So, thank you very much, and don't forget, we will have full match coverage commentary. Uh, no point in telling them we're doing it on Tuesday because this doesn't go out till Wednesday. But we will also have full match commentary on Saturday. So, don't forget to join us here on Three Valleys Radio. Thank you for listening. Good night tonight. Uh-huh.